Welcome to Code Splitters Podcast. I'm Paul. I'm Mikkel. And I'm Kevin. Hello, everybody, and uh, welcome to this uh, new episode of uh, Code Splitters Podcast. Um, this is episode 17, and today we have a, a guest, another guest, um, which is uh, Philip Beck from uh, Umbrago. Hi, Philip. Hi. Happy to be here. And uh, yeah, great, really great to have you here. Um, it's, it's a pleasure. Um, and of course, we have uh, Paul and Kevin on uh, as, as well. Hey, guys. Paul hey. waved for the <laughs> listeners. <laughs> Hi. Yeah, that was a reflex. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, all right. <clears throat> so, uh, Philip, uh, I have I have uh, gathered a few notes about you. Then I wanna like I wanna try to in- introduce you, uh, and then I think maybe you can fill out the gaps because that will sure. probably be quite a bit. Uh, so, what I have <laughs> what I know about you and uh, what I have been able to find is that you are a, a currently a CTO at, at Umbraco uh, since uh, last year, and. Um, you live you live in Aarhus, uh, in Denmark, right? And you yes. also you like uh, you really you're in, into cycling and and bike racing uh, a lot as well. Very much, yes. Yes, great. Um, you also uh, organized of the Aarhus JS uh, meetup that we have uh, met in before. Yes, yes. I think that's where I met uh, met most of you before. Yeah. Um, yeah. You're also a Google developer expert, uh, and you are, have been, uh, at least previously, re- really much into uh, Angular and, uh, and Lit and web components and all kind of web stuff. Uh, yes. So, yeah. So I love the web. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So we have a lot of reasons to to uh, have you on today and, and, and talk about all kinds of stuff. Uh, I'm sure we won't keep, we won't be bored. Nope. Um, so. But uh, Philip, I want to start about start with uh, asking you, like, uh, what what made you uh, go into web uh, in the beginning? Uh, I mean, I always uh, loved tech, and uh, maybe I just jo- started with web because it was very uh, you know easy to get started and very approachable. You know, you you make a a, a file in your uh, Notepad or whatever it was at the time. Uh, and you uh, rename it to .html, and then you're going. Uh, and uh, it's just, you know, it's it's so uh, it's so refreshing and so cool to see that you ch- type something in a document and you save it, and then you go to your browser and you can reload it. And there's actually stuff that you've built. And I think that's what got got me hooked. Uh, I remember building my very first website, where, which was like a lot of copy paste of uh, some Perl stuff that used a text file for a database. And like, it was, it, it was very, uh, it, it wasn't very good, uh, but I was just, you know, I immediately fell in love with it and, uh, and the, 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 the speed of development. I think that's, that's, that's probably what I like the most. I have a, a similar experience to that. Actually. I, I think you just mentioned it there, Phil, like, right. You know, the, Putting stuff in and then reloading your browser and it's there. I mean, that's how I got into it as well. Like that was like there was a rush, like like that feeling. It's pretty cool. Oh yeah, I started in, in Dreamweaver, but it was sort of the same, but uh, <laughs> not not as uh, to the bone uh, as as your. So, but but yeah, 
Uh, definitely a nice experience with the quickly. quickly I think this was level. before even Dreamweaver was a thing. Yeah. Uh, I I got I got my first uh, job or gig uh, building. So I met someone in a forum online, uh, and uh, and I said, yeah, I, sure, I can build you a web shop. Uh, so in like 1999, uh, while I was still in college uh, or in gymnasium, uh, I I built it. I built a, a, a web shop with the, like with payment and everything uh, from scratch. And I mean, it's probably the, the if you look at the how much money I made from it based on and how many hours I spent on it, it's probably the worst job I've ever had. Uh, but it was so fun, and I really yeah. really enjoyed it. And you probably learned a lot. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. I mean, the first time you do a payment integration, you like it's uh, it, that's 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 crazy. Pretty <laughs> yeah. So what happened between uh, a plain HTML file on your desktop to being at Umbraco and, and your journey there? <laughs> yeah. Um, I mean, while I was studying and uh, and doing some other work. Uh, I was always uh, freelancing a little bit, uh, building websites, small websites for people I uh, I knew or who learned of me somehow, um, and that you know that was kind of my 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 job as as when I was studying, um, and that was a lot of fun. And then eventually uh, it became a full time thing. I worked at a at a few different agencies. Uh, I started out doing some uh, PHP stuff on the server and worked with a with a CMS called Typo Three. Uh, and uh, and then um, yeah, eventually I I moved over to the to focusing mostly on the front end. I thought that was the most fun. I really liked uh, uh, JavaScript and probably for the same reason. Like it's so easy. There's no compile step. There's no nothing. You just write in a in a JS file and then you reload your browser. It's the same thing, right? I think that was that's that that very much appealed to me. And then. Uh, yeah, so I, I after the working at the Type of Three agency, I, I, I moved over to uh, uh, well, it was actually an Umbraco agency, uh, but I didn't really know Umbraco at the time. Uh, I was just there to do front end stuff, and that's uh, when I met uh, Umbraco, and I thought that was a really cool product, and and I met the community, and and I mean, for Umbraco, the community is very special, and it's it's something that I I've never seen anywhere else, uh, and since then Umbraco was always on my radar, and then I don't know, skip ten years and. Uh, uh, and then uh, I saw a job opening, or I I talked to talk to uh, to Nils, the old founder of Umbraco, and uh, and I landed a job. So what uh, what position did you start again at Umbraco in the beginning? So I I um, yeah so while I was a developer, I started seeing uh, I, that I, potentially I should do something more than just development. Uh, so I, I took a like a management degree on the side while I was still working. Uh, and uh, and started slowly going into that direction uh, with uh, people management and uh, strategy and uh, budgets and and all that stuff. And today I don't really code a lot anymore, not a, at least not for my job. Uh, um, and then you know when I joined Umbraco, my my initial position was uh, the program manager for the CMS. So I kind of uh, took the took the lead on on all the open source work that we do at at Umbraco. And then yeah. Uh, about a year after that, the, the CTO stepped down, and uh, uh, and I got the promotion. <laughs> awesome! Congratulations! Yes, <laughs> congratulations. <laughs> um, but, uh, so I... you said you uh, build a. Oh, sorry, Miko. Uh, no, no, go ahead. You said you uh, you started working as a front end developer uh, first. 
uh, what were uh, kind of the tools you were working with at the time before you got to your Umbraco? Uh... Yeah, so my, my, yeah, the, of course, in the beginning, I did a lot of Angular, uh, a lot of uh, jQuery. And then that's when Angular JS uh, hit and, uh, and, you know, revolutionized uh, front end stuff uh, everywhere. Uh, so uh, I immediately jumped on that, uh, and uh, and that's kind of what led me. That that meant a lot in my career. Like uh, that eventually landed me the the, the GDE position with Google, and I've you know I've, I've been fortunate enough to to keep that on for for quite a few years now. And and uh, meaning I I have a I have a pretty cool network with some nice Google people in it, and I and I get to meet with them a few times a year, and uh, and you know. Uh, yeah, have some some connections to the people that actually you know build Angular or build Lit or build uh, whatever uh, Google is working on uh, these days, right? I think that's that's pretty that's pretty cool. Uh, but Angular JS was, I guess, was the answer to your question. Uh, um, I mean, it was uh, some of the patterns I, I liked from uh, uh, from 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 the backend uh, programming world, uh, but. But you know, approachable and and a lot easier available, um, and then with a lot of with all that magic that you know, once you get to know it, it it's actually a pain point uh, because it's very hard to control. But it's so easy to get started, and it like, you know, you connect an input field to a, a div, and all of a sudden, any type anything you type in the input field is 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 in your div, and uh, and that's you know that blows your mind the first time you see it that you do that with one line of code, right? Yeah, yeah, I think that was kind of the same for me. Uh, I'm pretty fresh to the web development world compared to some of you. I've only been uh, <laughs> working for like five or six six years now. Uh, so when I started, then AngularJS was already really big uh, and slowly started being replaced with other stuff. Um, but yeah, it was kind of the same. This this data binding suddenly was like, what? <laughs> this is crazy nice. And then, yeah, after some time, as you say, then it was also kind of a pain in the ass after a while. <laughs> sometimes you don't want everything to update every single time. Um, yeah, it's uh, really nice to hear your uh, yeah your background and, and experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Um, just uh, a side note, I think we have, uh, or I, I know that we do have a, an early episode on where we also talk about AngularJS, so uh, yeah. everyone can go back and, and listen to that if you want to dig into that. Um, so, Philip, uh, you're working at uh, Umbraco and you have been using Umbraco uh, uh, before a lot as well. So, but maybe there are some listeners that don't even know what Umbraco is. Uh, maybe you could give like a, a quick uh, tour of what it actually is. Yeah, sure. So Umbraco is a content management system. Uh, so it manages any kind of uh, of content that you'd like. Uh, it is uh, open source. It's the biggest open source uh, CMS on the .NET platform. Uh, so on all of the Microsoft, uh, on all of that stack, uh, we're, the, we're the number one open source uh, CMS. And of course, that means that uh, we are very uh, popular uh, typically in the countries where .NET is is, is big, uh, so Nordics, uh, UK, US, uh, uh, yeah, Northern Europe. Uh, well, Microsoft is big. Uh, we're we're at least uh, typically well known. Uh, we are um, on the newest version of .NET always, uh, so we're on the bleeding edge, which developers always like. I'm sure you know. Uh, I'm sure you feel the same. <laughs> uh, and um, 
we've always been known for uh, for the flexibility uh, of the of the platform. People compare us to like uh, Lego bricks, or I guess you can't say Lego, but bricks uh, and uh, uh, building blocks. Uh, so you can build anything, and you can kind of use it uh, exactly how you want. Uh, and um, and and that's developers typically really uh, like Umbraco because we don't do a lot out of the box. You you, but it's very very flexible, and you can do pretty much anything you you like with it. And that means you know it's easy to get started. And then the other side of that coin, and I think a, a big a reason for our popularity is uh, the back office or where editors log in and actually edit the content. I think we've uh, we've been ahead of the curve for many years. Uh, we've uh, we have a really really sleek and fast and uh, nice uh, editing experience uh, where uh, editors can intuitively figure out what need, what goes on and how to update what. Uh, and I think that's a, that's a big selling point that instead of uh, spending days and, and money on teaching your, your editors how to update a page in some other CMS, uh, you can, uh, you know, you can more or less just give them a, a password to, uh, to Umbraco and let them log in and they can figure it out for themselves. Uh, yeah, so I think that's a, sorry. Yeah, go given. <laughs> uh, that's something we've uh, I've actually seen at the company a bit. Again, I'm, I'm mostly focused on uh, on front end, so I don't work with Umbraco back end that much. Uh, but I've seen in uh, in editor training, we have worked with some other CMSs in the past, and I can just see the when we build a site for a client, uh, and then close to launch or after launch, we give them like editor training, how to edit their pages and their content and their structure. And I can see in Umbraco that goes a lot smoother than in uh, in some other CMSs. Um, That's good to hear. When I, yeah. <laughs> uh, the few times I go into the back office myself to to test some stuff out, it is, yeah, it is really nice, I think, UI-wise and very intuitive to to use. So, uh, yeah, can definitely yeah. Uh, say that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, thanks. Was it in uh, version 7? Uh, it got like this uh, giant uh, overhaul, like UI-wise? Yeah, Somewhere yeah. Seven was se- version seven was was when the when the you know yeah you can call it a giant overhaul. That's when the when the back office was you know taken into the modern world and it became a single page app and uh, you know uh, a lot of what you know from Umbraco today was was made back then. Uh, then there was a, a change when we moved to be to version eight uh, where we. Uh, Changed some 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 concepts around, uh, did a little bit more for the user experience. Uh, so it was not not a, not a tech thing, but more of a user thing. Uh, and uh, and the back office from V8 is is basically what we have today. Uh, of course, with 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 iterations on top of it, uh, with lots of evolution mm-hmm. and stuff. But uh, but that's where we are today. And um, as 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 we were talking about just before uh, starting the recording here, the the one of the big projects that we're working on right now is actually. Rewriting the back office, uh, so we don't want to change the uh, the the editing experience. We really like how that works and, and how editors like it. Uh, but from a tech standpoint, the the old the, the current back office is a little bit outdated. Uh, and I think the I mean people shouldn't really care about that, but it it runs fast and everything's good and it's safe. But I think the 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 pain point today is that the way you extend Umbraco, if you want to make something custom inside of the back office. Is very much tied to how we implemented the back office, and that's of course that means that you know, as old frameworks become older and older, then it becomes less and less uh, 
relevant uh, for today's developers to actually build the extensions to it. So that's that's what we're trying to achieve by yeah moving to web components and and making a more standardized approach to uh, to APIs and uh, and and stuff. So I think that's that's a, a really cool project that uh, that we're working on right now. It's of course a a very big one as well. Uh, this uh, many many years and hours of work that we need to uh, reconsider and and somehow rebuild hmm. okay. yeah i was gonna i was gonna say that, that like you, you talked about the editing experience right keeping that on par and you know sort of like pulling out the internals and rebuilding those i could imagine that being like a tough task also because like what do you want to keep or what do you want to improve on um yeah. but I, but i get your idea about the extensibility not just in cms's but we see that in other systems you know like toolboxes and what have you like where if you want to extend them, then you have to do it in a certain way, right? And sometimes it's okay, but but it's you know it can be daunting, um, especially related to documentation. Yeah, I feel like there's there's typically two approaches. One is like we build our own API, which is you know if, you know with our own namespace and our own private methods for everything, and uh, and there's basically one global object that contains everything. And then uh, I mean I guess there's the, there's also the way that we used to do where it's like uh, we connect, we depend highly on a framework and then you just work with the framework and you can do whatever you want with that. Uh, but that makes it very hard for us to maintain because we don't know what, what parts of the framework or what parts of the implementation that you're actually using, right? Uh, and then there's the third part, which, which is, you know, I think uh, a little too bare bones if you ask me, uh, but where it's basically, uh, uh, you get an iframe and then you can build whatever you want inside of your iframe and then maybe we can you know push a, a global object down to you that you can interact with if you want to do something um but i think the like we've we've tried to find that middle way where i think web components is a, is a pretty sweet sweet spot in between where it's it's still standards based and you can still build your web component with angular or react or swelt or stencil or whatever you want uh and you know whatever our, our implementation doesn't leak into to your code and the other way around, and I think that that works really well. But you still have the power of actually being on the on the same page, and you can you know uh, make styling and you know how the CSS work works with custom properties and and uh, you know uh, I think I think that I think we found a pretty sweet uh, uh, middle spot there. Mm, nice. Um, I I remember back in my I'm, I'm only a front end developer now, right? But I used to be like a more full stack uh, developer. So so I I'm actually I, I have an old uh, like uh, Umbrago certification in version seven, I think. So and I remember I seem to remember then like if you wanted to uh, make custom uh, what's it called uh, input or like uh, editor yep. control yeah property editors um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, then you need to to do something in in Angular JS back then, right? But but, but yeah. maybe so. So that's what you wanna go away from and, and and do web components instead. So you're totally decoupled. Yeah, exactly. It was it was yeah. very it, it, it was at the time it was it was just it was really cool and it was uh, yeah. of course Angular JS was super cool back when uh, when Braco Seven came out. Uh, mm. it, it's not anymore, right? Uh, but <laughs> uh, I mean, it, it is it it's, it made it very very approachable to make extensions, right? Because all you had to do was write the uh, ng model and then bind it to something, and uh, that's basically how you made something custom. And then you could build everything around it and make put your own controller on it just by putting something in your view. And like, you know, all of the all of the benefits of of Angular JS. Uh, it really, really made Umbraco shine, and it it made 
it made the back office super super uh, cool to build with uh, but it was uh, and is you know uh, limiting uh, for our, for us when we want to change how something works in the back office it's very hard to do because we don't know when people are doing scope.parent.parent.parent.parent.parent to find some weird <laughs> property that we've stored somewhere <laughs> And since since there was since there was no official way of, of getting stuff other than that, like we can't blame developers. Like I mean, we 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 gave them these tools, and and it's on us to uh, mm. to give them something new now, uh, a better way to do it. Right? Yeah. Cool. So is it still built on Angular JS today, or is it a later version of Angular it's running on now? <laughs> it's still based on Angular JS. It's okay. the newest version of Angular JS, but I mean that is pretty old, right? Uh, mm. um, okay. And then you're rebuilding uh, into lit right now. Maybe we can uh, segue a bit into that. Yeah, absolutely. Um... Yeah, so we're we're building. So yeah, so so we we took a few uh, a few different steps to this. Uh, the first one was to convert a. Uh, all the the UI stuff. Uh, so we built uh, Umbraco UI, uh, which is a, a standalone web component library that has all of the uh, all of the components that you know from the back office. So if you like how our dropdown works, or how you know our select boxes works, or how the checkboxes look, or anything like that, uh, it's a standalone web component library, and that means that we've actually started using some of those in the in the current back office, just because you know. AngularJS works with web components, and it, it makes it easier for ourselves to do the migration. Mm, yeah. uh, and uh, so we've pulled all of that out, and the UI library is, is more or less complete. We've, we've shipped a, a version one uh, of that uh, in a stable version, uh, and we use it ourselves also in other tools like you know Braco Cloud and 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 stuff like we 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 kind of dog food uh, the the UI library in that in that way. Uh, and then the the second approach was to to not jump into the uh, same temptations as before. We wanted to uh, to define how the extension API should be before we actually chose what the implementation should look like, because we wanted to make sure that none of the implementation leaked into how the API uh, was designed. So we had a long process. I don't know, six months, eight months, or something like that, with with the community and with people and with like really good pro uh, process where we eventually came up with. How how do we want this to work? How do uh, components talk to each other? How do we how do we do dependency injection? What if you need uh, service uh, X or whatever? How do you get a hold of all of that? Uh, and once we define that, then uh, I mean now it's just a matter of then uh, building it. We we we've, we've made some choices now. We're building it with lit, and we're uh, the build processes with beat and. Um, uh, yeah, there, there's. I mean, we can talk a lot about implementation, but I don't know. I don't know if that's that's too interesting. Uh, <laughs> but uh, but it's it, it it's it's super cool. And from from now on, it's a matter of then actually implementing the 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 APIs and and making them work. And we're 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 doing it, you know, API first. So we're kind of saying everything that anything that we do. Uh, we should do through the same APIs. So whenever we have whenever we have a property editor, it works exactly the same as a custom property editor. We we don't there's no special magic for our own stuff. Whenever we build a dashboard, it's the same as when you build a dashboard. Uh, meaning you can replace all of ours with something. Um, so we've made a few design decisions around uh, 
how should we expose the the bare uh, uh, web component classes, or should we only have them available as web components? Uh, and at least for some of them, we're actually exposing the classes, so you can choose to extend ours if you want to. So if you want to build upon, like on top of our one of our uh, components or dashboards or something like that, you can just you know extend our class and and then redefine the or defi define the web component with your own name uh, and tell them tell them Braggle to use that name instead whenever it's instantiating. Right. Um, so that's. I think that's 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 pretty cool. It gives us uh, a lot of of, of uh, it gives a, it gives you that flexibility in what you want to build and and makes it so that you don't have to know everything and learn everything. Um, and I mean, building a custom property editor where back in the day you would say ng model is something. Now you build a a, <laughs> a, a web component and then you uh, you you pass it uh, or we pass it a property that's called value. And you can do anything you want with that. And anything you set back to that, that's what we'll read whenever the user presses the save button. So it is close to being as easy a, a, as it as it was with AngularJS, uh, but without all of the magic. And it's a lot easier to reason with when you when you work with it. That's pretty cool. I mean, I think we've we've talked about you know like web components in general, and you've chosen web components, and we know there's a lot of love for it. Um, and I'm not gonna go into like you know why did you specifically choose that, but were there parts of the like the web component API that you know to you with Umbraco just made a lot of a lot of sense, you know, like because we know web components is like this umbrella term, right? So you have the custom elements, shadow DOM, and what have you. Were there any of those that were like you know, wow, this one really makes this specific issue we've had like so much easier or anything like that? I think that the, the most the most. Uh... The worst issues we've had, I think, was around what I what I talked about before, with with more or less the implementation being the API for 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 how you how you did it before, uh, that made it very hard to uh, yeah to develop. Um, I think uh, I think the 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 shadow the shadow DOM thing uh, it makes it makes it a lot easier for people to to build something uh, and especially styles style their own uh, uh, property editors. Without risking uh, affecting the rest of the back office, uh, but you know that's that's also uh, that's also something that sometimes people use as an advantage, right? Like we've had people that made a, a custom property editor that when you installed that, uh, you know, the back office became a dark theme instead because <laughs> you know they could do anything, right? You could just put some CSS in there and it would affect everything, right? So it's like now that means that some of of, of the the things that we haven't even thought of now we have to think of what's the official way to do this how do we want people to actually you know make a dark themed uh, back office or uh, yeah do whatever they want um, a yes, lot of now that uh, becomes an api as well yeah exactly right? exactly yeah. Exactly, yeah. exactly um so now there's uh, i mean of course for, for theming it's it's very much around uh, uh yeah custom properties um css custom properties and and we've we've kind of 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 made made a like a like an abstraction of like two layers or maybe sometimes even three layers, but at least two layers of of uh, of custom properties. So there is one that holds the themes and like the theme colors, and then there is a layer that actually holds what uh, specific values are then set on a specific property. So let's say uh, in general a button is green, so there is a green property editor. There's a green custom property editor that then has a hex code of something. And then there's a, a, you know, button background color 
that then refers to the green uh, one that we just said before. And that means if you want to change green everywhere, you can change it by just changing the green button. But if you just want to change the button to be the red instead, then you can change it on, on kind of on the second layer. Uh, so yeah. there's there's these different abstractions of, of how we work with custom properties. And I think that um, especially like I have high hopes of, uh, of you know, CSS is, is getting pretty great these days, right? Like there's there's a lot of cool, uh, you know, CSS functions and stuff with uh, with contrast and automatic, uh, you know, what's, what's it called? The opposite color or something like that, where you can have, uh, you know, text that, uh, that always, uh, ref, uh, you know, has a certain uh, accessibility level on top of whatever color and do all of that by CSS. And I think as the back office matures, I think we'll see more and more of that uh, kind of stuff flow into the back office so that even if you change the color to be red instead of green, then we will automatically know if if the red thing should have a white text or a, or a black text or what, which, whichever is the most uh, accessible for you. So I think uh, things like that is, is, is pretty cool. And it's, a, it's one place where the web platform has just evolved so much in, in the last uh, just few years, right? Like uh, it, it's, oh, yeah. it's pretty crazy. That's quite an, quite insane, actually. And you and you're just mentioning like a few things, and it's so big now. Like it's so advanced as well. <laughs> yes, <laughs> it is, and it's getting it's getting harder and harder, right? To uh, to actually to actually keep up with with all of the platform stuff. Uh, uh, like in some way, it was a lot easier when it was uh, Internet Explorer six, right? Because you know there is <laughs> the next releases in two years, so we don't have to do anything for two years. Like we just have to build it what we have right uh, but now there's a new browser release every four or six weeks right uh, but that's a good thing let, let me be clear about that that's a good thing yeah, <laughs> yeah it's just another set of problems for us but but yeah you're right it, it is for the better but yeah yeah we talked about that a couple of couple of times over the last months that especially this year i think has been pretty crazy uh yeah if you're just uh thinking css what what has come through and then a lot of stuff that in the beginning of the year uh, I was on projects where I was like, no, I can't use this yet. Now I'm like checking the browser uh, compatibility and be like, hey, I can actually use this now. It's like supported. Yep, it's everywhere now. To yeah. the latest or whatever, <laughs> everywhere. It's, it's great. <laughs> uh, you get rid of a lot of the hacks and the polyfills uh, you had before. Yeah. It's a good time to be. Yeah, so one of the, the things that I... One of the things that I really want to land soon uh, is um, the the scoped web web uh, or the scoped custom element registry. Uh, so you could actually have custom elements with the same name being having two different definitions depending on where they are in the DOM. I think that would be amazing, and it would make it a lot uh, easier for us uh, to do the whole thing where you want to change a part of the, of Umbraco. Where today, like if we define elements up front then we need to use a different element if you want to uh, if you want to change something and it would be cool if you could just override the element name with your definition uh, i think that uh, i would i would love for that to yeah to happen <laughs> yeah that's 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 still underway right i, I don't think they're sort of agreed on it yet uh, yeah from, that's from the problem standing yeah, yeah. there's a isn't there a, a tool slash polyfill thingy that tries to yeah. do it but it's not it's not perfect i know but but it is some somewhat there yeah, um, yeah. So we've we've taken a few, uh, uh, we've made a few best practices or like definitions for uh, uh, for how you build for the back office uh, based on those based on that polyfill more or less. And I guess it comes down to uh, what it, what the polyfill does is that it 
you know, it appends something, appends a weird string to the end of the of the of the custom element name, and then it keeps a reference to which implementation has what you know string at the end of the name. Um, okay, yeah. So what we've what we what we've we've kind of made an, a rule that you shouldn't depend on the tag name being something specific. Uh, if you want to make a reference to something, you should make a reference based on something that's not the tag name. Uh, yeah, so you know, uh, in CSS selectors, you yeah, yeah 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 exactly. Uh, um, and I think that 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 means that if we wanted to do this at a, at some point, we could do it and then use the polyfills for browsers that didn't support it. Uh, but yeah, it, that'll be a that'll be a uh, uh, a little bit down the line, I'm sure. Yeah, yeah but it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool, you know, like keeping your your you know you you know open up to to these things, right? And it does get easier when your API is is somewhat simple. I know I know there's yeah. a lot of things going on behind, right? But but you write the public API is simple enough. Yeah. Um, so yeah, awesome. So in uh, maybe just to take a, a step uh, back a little bit, uh, when you were in the, the process of uh, choosing lit, uh, did you consider any any other things like maybe upgrading to the latest Angular instead or uh, using another? Uh, I guess you're pretty much into the kind of Google world when it comes to comes to that, but maybe because we're using Stencil. Not necessarily. Or, no, no, yeah. necessarily. <laughs> we're, we're using uh, Stencil uh, quite a lot at the company. And, and is it like, did you consider that maybe and maybe some other frameworks? Uh, and what made you land on Lit in the end? I think um, we, we consider a lot of different uh, frameworks and we even built a few uh, uh, mini uh, prototypes with, 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 with stuff. Uh, with other frameworks and stuff, uh, we um, I think we 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 landed on the web component uh, approach uh, pretty fast, and that you know we wanted to build something that was actually native web components. So all the Angular and React and Vue stuff, even they, though they can you know somewhat compile to web components or like expose themselves as web components, it's not that's not really what they are, right? Uh, so, so we we took those off the table, and then and when we looked at the the web component frameworks, uh, and to be honest, uh, I think we're at a place now where the, where all of the web components framework are pretty great, uh, and they all do uh, they can all do what you want and what you need, and then it's it's a matter of uh, what 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 framework do you trust the most uh, to not you know die in in two years uh what has the best documentation what's easiest to teach people uh to us it's also um since a lot of our developers are dot net developers it's like what feels the closest to c sharp or what looks what works best with typescript or something like that and i think i mean i, I can't say it's because lit is, is faster or better or, or anything like that i think uh you can probably find benchmarks where one is faster than the other and find a different benchmark that's the other way around so i, I mean i think we're at a place now where speed in that kind of of of, of speed uh of, of performance tests it doesn't really matter anymore because all of the browsers are really fast and all of the frameworks are really really fast um, yeah so i guess uh, i guess that that's kind of the the long answer to your short question uh <laughs> That's a, that's a tendency. I don't know if you've noticed, but I give very long answer. <laughs> it's great. It's great when you're running a podcast. <laughs> <laughs> that's why he's not um, developing that much anymore. Like they didn't want all the feedback. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah. But that's really really cool to hear because uh, I've 
Yeah, I've worked a little bit in Lit, but not that much. Uh, but it's good. So it, it, that kind of major land on Lit has pretty much like the whole package when it comes to developer experience and what it supports and what it can do. And you, yes, if, uh, of course, Google being behind it has some kind of longevity to it. Um, we hope in so. In terms of, yeah. <laughs> yeah, you never know, really. Yeah. No, not to with be Google honest, either. <laughs> yeah, we, we were looking at, Microsoft has a very similar uh, thing uh, that's called the Fast uh, yeah. fast Framework, something with Fast. Yeah, I think it's just uh, called Fast, yeah. Yeah, uh, and I think um, that one is is, uh, is pretty cool as well, and it does a lot of the same, a lot of the concepts are the same. Uh, but we were looking at that, and then that's... We we ended up with lit, and I think we're we're pretty happy with it. Uh, it it uh, it it works really well. It's it's easy to teach, um, and uh, and I mean the whole point of this project is that people don't need to learn about our implementation to build their own stuff uh, like they used to. Uh, so uh, when you build a custom property editor for Umbraco, you can build that with Sensor. You can even build it with Angular JS if you really really wanted to. Uh, but I mean. Uh, the point is that you have the freedom to do it whatever you want and our ch- framework choices really only matter for us and if you want to contribute to Umbraco. Uh, so so it's like it's 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 i don't know a smaller decision than it used to be and i mean technically since the api is uh, is is standards based uh, technically we could we could change the implementation without breaking the api and i think that's that's where we wanted to end uh, at least mm-hmm. having that theoretical uh, uh, you know, opportunity to to change behind the scenes. Yeah, that is pretty cool. And I mean, then I I really like uh, TypeScript uh, decorators. Uh, so we're we're using that pattern somewhere uh, or or a, f- a few places uh, for like uh, dependency injection and stuff. So it it uh, it feels almost like if you're used to writing uh, uh, modern Angular, where you can do dependency injection by using decorators and stuff. I, th- I think that's. Uh, that's pretty. That's pretty cool. But we've built it in a way again where it's based on standards. So effectively, uh, when you're asking for the content service or something like that, what you're doing is just uh, emitting a browser event, a DOM event, uh, and then anywhere above you in the hierarchy, somebody can catch that event. And then, since events are actually sync, uh, we'll just uh, attach it to the event. And that means that right after expose, right after sending the event, you can just you know looking at a property on the event that you just dispatched, and then that will be the service that you're looking for. So even without the, the decorators, it's it's a super simple API to get a, a hold of our services. But with the decorator, of course, it looks cool and it's it's super easy to write. <laughs> um, yeah, I, th- I think that's I think that's 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 pretty cool. And then the, the the cool thing, of course, is that it's it is hierarchical and it works with the DOM. So uh, if you wanted to, uh, let's say we have a toast service or something like that, and uh, then if we have an overlay open, and if you call the toast service, then you will get a local toast service to the op- to the overlay, and you don't need to know, you don't need to call a different API or do anything. You just ask for the toast service, and you get the local one to where you are, and then when you want to show a toast then it's shown in the correct place so i think that's that's a pretty cool uh, advantage to that uh, to that architecture mm. so so when you build your own uh, custom editor and and then and then you uh, put in some values or select something and then you press save is that do, do you then need uh, an event to be fired that will be catched or do you read something uh, like read value or how to start yeah so um 
So there, there are some events if you want to hook into them and if you want to do, if, if you with your custom property editor want to do something, you know, do a custom validity check or, uh, or, you know, say I'm not valid yet or something like that and hold back it. So there's, there's some ways for you to, there are some events and stuff for you to, to keep that back. But basically what we do is when we launch, when we open the page with your custom property editor on, we give you a property on your custom element that's called value and we put the value that we've stored on that. And then you can do with it whatever you want. You can build your property editor. You can build your Google Maps and make people, you know, move that pin around or something like that. And what you want to do is eventually just whenever the user updates the value, you put it back to that value prop. And when people click uh, save, we will just look at that property again and see what the value is now. And that's what we store. Oh, okay. uh, so that's makes sense. So, so it's pretty simple like that. Yeah. All right. Cool. Um, so. It, Do you plan on making some kind of like a starter kit or like a boilerplate thing for for if you want to build like your own custom property? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We'll have we'll have lots of uh, examples. Uh, we'll we'll be writing examples. Uh, I'm sure in uh, native JavaScript, in TypeScript, with lit, without lit, with whatever other framework and stuff. So we'll have a, a ton of examples hmm. uh, to use. I think we will use the, the, the lit stuff because that's what, that's what we're, that's what we know the best. I think we'll use that for, uh, for our training material and stuff. So when we, when people, when that training course that you went on to, to, uh, uh, to learn how to extend in Braco, when we update that, uh, I think that that might teach you how to do it with lit. Uh, but yeah, the point is that yeah. you can do it with anything you want. Yeah. Hmm. Cool. That's uh, that's really nice. I, I really like that direction that uh, that you get to choose yourself. That's really nice. Uh, yeah. So the interesting thing, of course, is to say to see uh, will this end up with just you know uh, us having seventeen uh, different property editors that all bring their own version of React and all bring their own version of Redux and you know <laughs> uh, if that's the case, that's, that that won't be pretty, right? So it's like we we're we're looking into. Uh, Uh, yeah, could you imagine having? Would could we have a way where you could, you know, share uh, dependencies uh, if if you needed to? Uh, I don't know. We we don't have an answer for that yet, but but but, but maybe. <laughs> yeah. Module federation. No, <laughs> but that that's. I mean, <laughs> it was a joke, right? But but it is. I think it's sort of in that area, right? But but yeah, I, I can see what you mean, right? You you open up the box, people can just bring whatever, right? It's yeah. yeah. Yeah, and the interesting thing is that you know our stuff is of course uh, built uh, like what you get is actually you know ready ready files to run, and then you build your own stuff, which means that when we build our when we build our stuff, we don't know anything about whatever you bring us. Uh, so it's very hard to to have like tools do it for us because we don't know what you want to do, and you can do anything at any time, and that's the whole point. Uh, so we need to to find ways that are very you know uh, close to the platform and not. Uh, not some weird uh, uh, webpack module uh, that uh, that built something for us uh, in some weird way because I'm sure we could we could do that, uh, but but that would kind of defeat the the purpose and it would make it harder to to build with, right? Uh, yeah. The cool thing about this that you is that you can actually you will still have that experience of if you want to make a, a custom property editor from Braco, you still just make a .js file and you write something in it and it just reloads and works. Um, But yeah, it, it's not super. It's not super. It's not super simple. And let me just take the opportunity to say uh, this is not 
you know me that makes up every uh, that makes up all the decisions. Like there's there's a really what? cool team behind me that that you know that makes all the work and they should have all the credit. So let's just let's just get that out there. Yeah, spoken as a, as a leader. <laughs> <laughs> Screw it, they won't hear it. It's, it's all me. It's all me. Yeah. Uh. You know, that's gonna uh, be okay. the clip, you know. We give. Yeah. <laughs> so, uh, Philip, I, I thought that we I wanted to segue a little bit into uh, to headless uh, space. Uh, so, if you uh, want to use Umbraco in a headless uh, way, uh, what what are the options and what what do you do yeah of course headless is is uh, something that everybody all the cool kids are doing it these days right <laughs> yes. um, there's there's a few different ways to uh, to do that with Umbraco. we have a we have a a, a hosted uh, you know closed source project that's called Umbraco hardcore which is uh, uh, you can kind of you can essentially think of it as the api delivery layer on top of your Umbraco instance. So at runtime, uh, whatever, whenever the user asks for an API, the request never hits Umbraco because it's all handled in Cloudflare. So it, like on the edge of your CDN, that's where the requests are actually handled. Mm. Uh, so uh, that gives the opportunity to do GraphQL and REST and all the cool APIs. And they're really performant no matter where you are in the world. And it's because it's all pushed to the to the edges, right? So that's the that's the modern and very scalable way of doing it. That also means that uh, it is a SaaS offering, which means there's no custom code in your Umbraco. You can't do, uh, you, you can do some customizations, but it's very limited in what you can do because in order for us to do GraphQL, we need to be 100% sure what the schema looks like and, and all of that stuff. And as soon as we allow you to write a custom C sharp code, then you can do, <laughs> you can, you can, you can mess, all, you can mess all of that up, right? Yeah. Uh, so that's, that's, that's one approach. Um, Love the uh, name, by the way. <laughs> yeah. Uh, we uh, yeah. So then, then there's um, on the roadmap for Braco 12, which is due uh, this summer. Uh, so like in June or something. I don't remember the specific date, but there is a date. Uh, we will have a, a, a public uh, REST API uh, for for anything inside of Braco. Uh, so whenever you in Umbraco, it's it's very much a point and click thing to uh, to build up your models, kind of like you know from uh, Contentful or other uh, uh, typically the headless CMSs, right? So the, the, it's not a code approach to building uh, models; it's more as a UI approach to doing it, and that's you know it it also makes it very popular between the uh, for the front enders because it's very very easy to add a new property to your to your page model or to your SEO uh, stuff or whatever. Um, so anything that, that that you've defined in there is available through a REST API. Uh, we're building that right now, uh, and uh, and that will be available this summer. Um, we'll, yeah, I shouldn't say more about that. Uh, we we uh, yeah. So so the idea is that for for uh, uh, V12 for this summer, uh, it is uh, only the read endpoints. Uh, so it is more or less a, a read only API. Uh, on any content uh, that's in Umbraco, uh, you can all you can also you know if you have the correct uh, 
tokens and stuff you can also uh, see uh, unpublished content if you want to do like a preview mode for your uh, single page app or uh, something like that or for whatever you're building um and then for the for the next major for v13 uh which is then november of next year uh then we will launch the management api as well uh so you can actually have official uh <coughs> management apis for changing any kind of content or even building your your models or doing anything that you can do from the back office more or less mm. uh, you can you can do via the api Oh, nice. um, so that's so that's kind of the that's kind of the little bit longer term solution to uh, uh, to to Headless today with Umbraco. Uh, if you asked me to build a project today with 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 Umbraco and I needed to do some custom code, so Headless wa- so hardcore wasn't an option. Uh, then there is a, a good handful of uh, of community packages out there that brings you more or less what we do what what's coming in in eleven or in twelve with the with the REST API that brings you that today. Uh, on mm, on top okay. of Umbraco, so that's probably where I would look uh, uh, today. I shouldn't pick any favorites today, but if, if you Google it, you can <laughs> you you can find uh, you can find that there's a, there's a few different ways of doing it, and they're all, all right. they're all pretty well. I think the the hard part is that since it is very flexible, uh, it is very hard to do uh, in a in a super performant way that covers all the edge cases and that gives you. Uh, um, that gives you that GraphQL thing because, of course, as a front end, all, all you want is just GraphQL, right? Like it's so easy to work with and, and you can do whatever you want. It's also very much a foot gun, but let's not go into that. <laughs> uh, um, but it is, it is, it, it, it turns out to be very, very hard to do in a performant way, uh, with how, uh, our data model works and, and, and how it's, it's stored behind the scenes. And that's how, that's why the hardcore setup is as, as it is, right? Like, so we push everything out to a different, like it's a Postgres database where we put push everything out to, and then hardcore is essentially some cloud uh, functions that you know turns it into a Postgres, uh, turns your GraphQL uh, query into a Postgres query, and then you know gets the data from that and then caches it uh, in a smart way uh, so that yeah it, it won't it won't need to do the query every time that you you do a GraphQL query. Right? Interesting. Well, there, <laughs> there is uh, some options. That's that's really nice. Thanks for for mentioning those. Um, so maybe uh, maybe we are getting towards the the end here. But I, I wanted to also touch upon the Umbraco community because that's uh, that's also what you mentioned. That and that's also what, what I find uh, like it's really uh, seems to be really special uh, compared to other communities and, and and really friendly. And that's that's all also what Umbraco says, right? The friendly CMS. Um, and there's also, uh, I think, a lot of unicorns uh, around Embargo. <laughs> that's the, uh, uh, I don't know, your pet or whatever. What it's the spirit say? animal. <laughs> yes, spirit. <laughs> yes. So it's 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 really nice. Um, uh, so, yeah. what, is, is there anything you wanna you wanna say about the community? What 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 makes it so great? And do you know why? I mean, if, if I knew why, uh, I, I don't know. That that would be amazing. It is. I think it is really special. Uh, I feel like I've I've been uh, I've been going to a lot of uh, conferences uh, all over the place uh, uh, in the front end space and in the back end space and everywhere. Uh, and and the, the community at at, at Umbraco, uh, festivals and, and conferences is just different somehow. Like it's it's very friendly. Everybody talks to everybody, and there's no people you know left outside, or and there's no one who like you can approach anybody and ask them you know talk to them and it 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 is just very special 
uh, like the whole um, people at most of our conferences, they should be competitors, right? Like they they compete, they pitch to to the same customers uh, day in and day out, and then uh, they meet at night and then they share all the secrets uh, and uh, <laughs> and talk about how they do pitches and they talk about what uh, what implementations they're working on right now, uh, and that makes everybody it's better for everybody. Uh, so I think I think we've just uh, we've just been fortunate to 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 you know nurture that uh, nurture that kind of uh, vibe inside of the community, and I think that is that that is that is pretty cool. And then of course we 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 try to work with this and see how do we yeah how can we how can we get you know product input how can we get of course contributions uh, out of this this friendly community. Uh, we have a lot of since the the core product is open source. Like we have a lot of uh, of people contributing to to the product uh, with code, but also lots of other contributions. Um, we have a, a, a concept or like we have a thing that we call uh, community teams, uh, which is you know we are still a volunteer, uh, but you're a little bit more than just a. a a, a random uh, person who makes a PR for, for for an open source project, like so you 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 meet uh, regularly with the team. The team has a steward that works from Adam Bracker HQ. Uh, they talk about uh, what to work on and how to work on it. And there's a, there's some few there's a few uh, cool uh, community teams out there. If I should mention one or two, um, I'm pretty excited about the. We have a, an accessibility uh, community team. That cares a lot about accessibility, and they've made so many improvements to the back office, and they're they're part of the process with the new back office as well, and making sure that whatever we come up with weird web components and and uh, and shadow DOM that screen readers can still read it, and the contrast ratios are still good, and and that we still you know meet that uh, AA uh, standard score and 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 all of that, and that is it's super valuable to us. Uh, and of course, it it makes the product better for for everyone that uses it. So I think I think that team is 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 especially cool. Um, and then the, we've we've started making community teams for um, for some of our commercial products. And that was a little bit of a of an of an interesting thing. Like, how would people uh, how would they perceive that? Would they want to be part of that, or would they see that as us trying to you know be evil and and you know. <laughs> take advantage of people or like uh, but it's been very well well received and and we kind of think of it as uh, as as almost like an advisory board for our products uh, so we have one for hardcore and uh, of course a lot of times they talk about hardcore but sometimes or a lot of times they also just talk about you know headless stuff how should we do this what what direction should umbraco take with this uh, how and the team is you know developers it might be it might even be a a sales guy at some agency that always sells uh, headless solutions, or it might be a, 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 an editor, or and like getting all of these people together in a room, virtual room, of course, uh, is uh, it's super valuable to uh, to our products and and to to what we do. And I think that it kind of underlines that whole uh, community feeling, right? Like it's uh, people it. It's it's such a great place to uh, to work and and to be because people really want us to succeed, uh, and I think that that is that is uh, that's special and that's that's super cool. Yeah, I think <clears throat> I, I would bet that the the community wouldn't be as great if if Umbraco uh, was not uh, open source, right? I guess that's maybe a lot. It has a lot to do with that, I guess. 
of course, of course, uh, and uh, and um, we'll, we'll stay open source. <laughs> Good to know. <laughs> <laughs> Great. Um, okay, I think uh, we are getting towards the end here. Anyone wants to uh, to add something? Not especially. I think maybe uh, just wanted to ask if uh, if you want to do a quick uh, shout out or whatever you call it. If if you want to uh, share something exciting you think is is coming amongst uh, the other things you've already mentioned, uh, <laughs> a good place for for people to follow Umbraco and the community and or you and the development and stuff. Yeah, I mean, <clears throat> I mean, if if you wanna. Uh, follow us uh, i know there's a lot of controversy around twitter these days but i think twitter is uh, is probably the uh, it's probably the, the 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 place to uh, to follow me at uh, i'm at philip beck uh, or you can just follow adam braco um and um so i should end with a funny story um braco is uh, <laughs> it's spelled with a with an m so it's u m b r a c o uh, and uh, and that's it's a funny mistake right Uh, so in 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 Denmark, uh, an umbraco key is like uh, what you what you I think in 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 proper English it's called like a hex key or like an Allen key. What you get when you go to IKEA and buy some kind of furniture, right? Uh, and uh, the idea, of course, was that you can build anything with this, and it's super flexible, and you, it gives you all the bricks that you want to build on, and all that all that stuff. Uh, it's a very common misconception in Denmark that um, that that thing is actually called an umbraco key, but it's not. It's actually called an unbraco key with with the n instead of the m, because of course it means unbreak, right? Like so you can't break it. But uh, our founder, uh, he like anybody else, thought that it was called an umbraco key, and that's why we have the name umbraco. <laughs> uh, and then now it's just a funny, uh, it's just a funny story, right? Like that we have a name that no one knows how to pronounce and no one knows what it means, and it's <laughs> actually it actually comes from a mistake, right? Uh, but now we're sticking with it, and I think it's doing us well. That's great. <laughs> that's pretty funny, yeah. But yeah. like nowadays, that's just hip, right? You, you know, like a company name doesn't need to mean anything. The more, the yeah. more mystery there is, the better, right? <laughs> yeah, you replace exactly. the S with a Z, and it's cool. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh. <laughs> uh, yeah. That's, yeah. Uh, that's a great story. Yeah. yeah. It is quite funny. Yeah. <laughs> yeah so follow us at. U M P R A C O on Twitter or wherever, uh, or go to umbraco.com, and that's that's where you can, of course, uh, can learn it. And if you wanna, if you want to, then uh, there's a uh, there's a free trial in the cloud, and you can try to spin it up and it and see how it uh, how it works for you. Uh, it, it's a lot of fun. Great, cool. We'll make sure that was to, the marketing bus. I have to do a little yeah. bit of marketing <laughs> stuff. As well, right? yes. <laughs> Yes. Again, uh, I'm not a backend. I'm not a backend developer, but I heard from our backend developer that it's a joy, joy to work in. So, uh, nice. keep up the great work. Thank you. Yes. I actually had a, a, a very last question here, not specifically for uh, Umbraco, um, um, but just like, you know, we talked a little bit about it first, you know, like the, the organizer, always JS and stuff like that community wise. Uh, are we going to see you in any community stuff? Like, Within the next half year or anything like that in in Aarhus, maybe. Um, we have a new uh, uh, meetup with Aarhus JS coming up uh, in a few weeks. Uh, mm. I don't remember the date. Beginning of December fifth or ninth or I don't remember. So something. Go to meetup and find find it. There's an event there. <laughs> uh, so it, so Aarhus JS used to be just me, and then uh, my my old friend Morten, uh, he kind of left tech. So uh, uh, and there, so now it's it's mostly me. 
Uh, but then, fortunately, uh, a lot of people stepped up and uh, and are and are taking over, uh, helping me run it. Uh, and I mean, I'm I'm saying helping me, but they're effectively doing all the work now, and I'm just uh, taking all the credit. <laughs> so that's you see a trend here. That's that's the same thing. Uh, <laughs> Nice. Uh, but I mean, they're, they're, it's super cool now that there's a team and they're helping uh, organizing it, uh, getting speakers in. And uh, I guess this is a good place to say if you want to give a talk, uh, come uh, come to OSJS. It's a very friendly place. I don't know, between 40 and 60 people most times we do a meetup. Uh, so it's not too big and scary, but it's still uh, more than just uh, two friends and your dad. Uh, so uh, it's it's a good place to it's a good place to get started. And we're always looking for speakers. Um, so hit us up, and if you're an agency, then uh, talk to us about becoming a sponsor and hosting the next event. Yeah, and I also saw that <clears throat> that you are actually uh, giving uh, training for for new uh, speakers, and I think that's really really awesome that you uh, that you provide that. So that's that's awesome. Yeah, yeah. My, I'll remember. Uh, I'll remember that there might be some. <laughs> <laughs> Go for it. Cool. All right, I think uh, that's it for today. So uh, thank you, Philip, for for coming on. That was uh, a pleasure, and uh... it was an honor. Good fun. <laughs> yeah, we always have good fun. But yeah, thank you very much. It was very nice. That's it. Thank you so much for listening to this episode of the Code Flips podcast. If you like this episode, please share it with your friends or add a review in your favorite podcast player. You can also find us on Twitter at Codesplitters or on our website, codesplitterspodcast.com. Until next time, take care.